shotgun. All right, Union of the Unwanted back February 21st, 2022. Ricky, take it away. What's up, everybody? Another Union of the Unwanted episode. Just a reminder, we do stream this live on Rockfin every other Tuesday, roughly. If obviously Every other Monday. Monday. Sorry, I'm ha- I've had a long day. Sorry. Yeah. Every other Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then within a day or two, the show's available everywhere. But if you want to see it live, uh, check out Rockfin. And uh, today we have um, a bunch of people are going to, I'm sure, hopefully drop in, drop out. And we're going to talk a little bit about the future of technology. Is it saving us or enslaving us? A little bit about blockchain, maybe internet 3.0, whatever that is. Um, a lot of different metaverse. So is there, uh, is there anywhere you guys want to start with... Uh, Mike, you want to give us a, maybe your opinions on, on what you think the, the metaverse is or will be? Well, I think it's it's good to, to start off with when you search for what is the metaverse on the Brave browser, it comes with this definition. And so this is a, a good starting point. So according to, to Brave, it is a collection of virtual shared spaces created by a convergence of virtually enhanced physical reality and, physical, and physicality persistent virtual space. <laughs> what a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh, Metaverse is a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on social connections. In futurism and science fiction, it is often desca- described as a hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single universal virtual world that is facilitated by the use of virtual and augmented reality headsets. And Facebook has the domain name metaverse.com. Say virtual again. I'm trying to. I, I, we, <laughs> should, we should have a bell that goes off and every time I say it. I loved Zuckerberg's like promo video where he just kept talking about cool experiences. And he apparently said experiences 80,000 times. <laughs> he doesn't have them in real life, Charlie. So That's he's true. hoping that metaverse is actually going to turn on his social life. Facebook didn't do it for him. He's still like an awkward... Look at all these things they call friends in here. I'm know. so He's excited trying to, to fake finally have human. He made himself equally stiff and equally boring as his metaverse avatar. <laughs> I mean, in the video, he was no more interesting or no less interesting. He was just the same sort of quasi lizard, but on a computer screen. Oh, by the way, Steve, it doesn't. It sounds like you're not coming through your microphone. It sounds like it comes Ooh. through your computer. Yeah, it sounds webcammy. Yeah, but while you're getting that, I had a definition for lawnmower man. I'm sorry, definition for the metaverse. Okay. <clears throat> Back in the day, there was this movie called Lawnmower Man, and it's Pierce Brosnan, and he gets this uh, mentally disabled guy, and he gives him the goggles, just like the metaverse, VR goggles, and he puts him into the little cyber thing, and he becomes a god and tries to take over. It's a really far out movie, but when you look at a movie like that from 30 years ago compared to what they're doing today, it's pretty much the same thing. And you can get an idea of where they were trying to take this 30 years ago and the mm-hmm. technology that they've developed since then is it's interesting because it was developed for entertainment through the military right so like 
everything that you see in Hollywood, all the CGI and all these sort of things, that technology, those processing of computers, those were originally developed to like surveil people and process huge chunks of data. And then they're also like, what else can we do with this? Oh, we can make these fascinating entertainment movies that also bring people more closer to that artificial universe, showing them like Marvel comic universe movies. Right. And now Disney like offers like Disney towns, like uh, theatrical locations where people can live. So they they've been stepping people toward the ready player one kind of metaphor for a long time. Well, ready player one would be awesome. What we see out of the metaverse right now looks blocky and stupid. And right now there's like a, a land rush, a virtual land rush in like six different metaverses and um, it's just, I know people are trying to invest in it because they think they can make a quick buck and they probably can, but as for being in there for hours on end, it's stupid. It feels stupid. And maybe I'm completely off and old. Um, but I think they have a long ways to go before people buy in completely and want to invest more time in the metaverse mm -hmm. versus spending time on Reddit. From a voluntary side, I think you're right. But like if people can't afford food, like if it takes a lot of food to get up and walk around in your real body, but you can get this soil and green stuff from the government for free and it comes with a free VR hookup, you could have pod people looking like batteries in the matrix powering Zuckerberg's spaceship real fast. I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I, I would say, yeah, I think uh, for about a decade, maybe. But uh, the health effects of those uh, drinks and all of that are going to kill people really fast, uh, especially after they've uh, been injected. Soil and green is people, Matt. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Berry, berry is people, too. Uh, I think, let's see. I think they got to get people to buy in. And. Uh -oh. That's really? the, that's the that's the that's the difficult part is getting people to buy in. There is a barrier to get in because you got to have enough money to get the VR goggles, and then so what? You got the VR goggles and you're in this virtual space, but you have nothing because it requires more money to buy things in this virtual space. They have right. there, there's a barrier for entry and enjoyment. I think the only way around this is if they enable people to scan in their real world items. And have them ported to the metaverse. So you have all your stuff in real life, but in the metaverse, if they provide some sort of scanning feature. So you can have your house right now in the metaverse. You just well, got to scan all the objects you want in there. The, and then it's like, that's, that's it, your buy-in. You have some stuff. Why not just do augmented reality then? Sure. And uh, then you've got all your visual scanning. You know, It can scan in all your items while you look at them. That, well, would, that I, would make sense too. Yeah. To, to, to be mean, the, the devil's advocate, picking up on the mic, by the way. Yeah. Any better? I think sounds okay. Yeah. Walmart opened up in the metaverse. JP Morgan has a giant paper and presentation about how they're going to operate in the metaverse. There, there's all kinds of Snoop Dogg, the land adjacent to Snoop Dogg's house in the metaverse, sold for four hundred and fifty thousand Ethereum. The land next to Snoop Dogg's house that you're going to paint with NFTs, that you're going to decorate your avatar with, you're going to fill your meta fridge from the meta Walmart where you spend money that you, you know, I mean, I guess theoretically in real life would make 
this is where your world this is where your purchases are happening because you don't have a life outside of this that's the the desire at least or uh, from a, a manufacturer's standpoint steve tap i would the like to mike, yeah tap the mic. mic tap the mic yeah okay. i think it's off Mother I think it's off. We're still. We can hear you clearly, but we get room echo, and it just doesn't sound proximal like you're at your mic. We're gonna get this close. right. Maybe. Yeah. Hey, before this swings off in the financial markets, uh, Mike, what have you heard about the percentage of people who can't use VR hoods because of motion sickness? I don't know. I mean, I don't know any percentage of people. I haven't even looked into that as like a as a as a hurdle. High. I think it's fairly high. I think it's like 30% can't wear the hood. Well, they'll figure because, it out. They'll have contact lenses or something. Well, right? they've talked about drugs to, to take care of that. But, well, and, and but and augmented right? reality would possibly solve the problem, but it doesn't give you that total immersion. It doesn't but you're still moving around in actual reality. reality. Correct me if yes, I'm wrong. I've never I, used it. So they I don't want right. that. They it's, don't want people traveling out. They, yeah. they want pod people controlled yeah. in a controlled. They want yeah. total control. They're playing God right now, 100%. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that it, this might push out by decades how difficult it is to get people totally immersed. I think I, I think they're think setting they're it right up though. now. That's why they have these crises. Yeah, yeah they're setting it up now. So when that collapse happens eventually, when there's when they get down to that 500 million population that they really want, <laughs> then then that metaverse technology will be pretty good, and you give that to the peons to be happy. Well, the only the 500 million one criteria is you. You just don't get motion sickness in oh, yeah. the metaverse, right? They're going to well, weed those people they'll out. They'll have some way to weed those people <laughs> out. <Yeah. laughs> I, I, you know, I, I always go back and forth. I have like this internal dilemma of like, in a way, I feel like there's a connection when you're with people. I mean, as much as I enjoy doing Zoom calls and being able to connect with people all over the world, obviously we know there's something missing when you're in person and you're together and you're enjoying people's company. And I feel like that might not be able to be recreated and will always sense like something is different or missing. But in the other hand, I also look at people that are in social places, all staring at their phone, rather being, they'd rather be focused on that than the social atmosphere. So it's like, I don't know which urge is stronger, which desire is stronger, that that real life connection or the, you know, the, the serotonin dumps and all that stuff and all that uh, instant satisfaction you get from the digital world. Because we're kind of, if you look at people in general, you go, even if they're out to eat or they're at a bar or they're on a plane or on a train, like they'd rather be staring at their phone than talking to the person next to them which kind of makes you think like, okay, they'd rather be there in that digital world, you know, even though they're not physically in that digital world, like their focus and attention is in that digital world than in the analog world. So it, it's fascinating. Like I, I, I go think you're I, almost there. Like what you're describing, I can see what you're describing, but I don't think that's the reason. I don't think people would rather be dealing with their phones than other people. I think they lack the, the aptitude and confidence of how to speak to other people and pay attention and make good conversation because everybody would rather like meet somebody cool and have a great conversation than look at the internet on their phone that they can do anytime. Mm -hmm. They're just like missing that avenue to do so. And they're not satisfied. So they're looking for satisfaction on their phone. Whereas if you were like a conscious human being whose needs were met and you're there for the journey to meet and engage with other people, you're not going to reach with your reach for your phone unless needed. But I think because of the common 
schooling indoctrination that we all go through, people are more content. They feel more comfortable, like they have more control holding on to that little security blanket all the time. And there's so many risks in dealing with other people. Why not just deal with the phone? And I think it's a, a sign of the times, but it can't last. Like to Matt's point, like these things are phases and they're going to ebb and flow and uh, like a pendulum go back and forth. So while you might see a lot of people heavily engaged with phones in a couple of years, you might see a lot less of that. It might be because of cyber polygon or something we can't control, but uh, learning our way out of it, I think is the answer instead of adopting more technology to fill in that gap in communication right. and needs meeting in the first place. Uh, human development is the direction we need to be going in. Technological development is, uh, it, it's a death trap. Uh, I, and I'm in tech, but I really do think that we cannot look for technology to be our savior because it just creates more problems for everything it tries to solve. Well, I mean, with everything that's, all, all these, these combinations of technology, technologies that have really been popularized the past five years, ranging from uh, blockchain to virtual reality to um, even mRNA vaccines, <laughs> like that's a new technology that's been popularized. It seems like with the blockchain, blockchain, they're really seeing an opportunity. They, I mean, the the ruling elite, to possibly use blockchain to track every single, not only transaction but object in the physical world. And if they wanted to map that to the metaverse, they could because that has a unique identif identifier linked to that product or object. There's a, there's a company, there's several companies that are trying to blockchain the supply chain to, and they're trying to sell it as a way to uh, make the, our supply chains more efficient and stable mm -hmm. in times of crisis like what we're seeing. But it just seems like it is, with everything that is, that is sold, it's sold as a time saver and a way to make things more efficient. But ultimately, it is always used for control and to narrow the paths of one's thoughts. That's all it does. Yeah, well, they, I think it, I think it does some other things, too. I, I think that the, it creates these sort of ancillary problems that we didn't have before. And, and I think that that's where the real danger is, that unexpected unintended consequences i am not one of those people who thinks that we are capable of mapping out all of the consequences for the technologies we build i just don't think we're capable of doing it. we things are going to happen that we can't even imagine it's like if you once you dig into the internet a little bit you realize how shoestringed everything is together there's like layers and layers of spaghetti code barely mm -hmm. held together. And they and there are smart, brilliant people. I work mm -hmm. with some incredibly smart people who can't untangle some stuff because it's so baked in. And so how is, is the metaverse going to be completely decoupled in, its com, in a completely own environment, completely iso isolated and containerized so it can't be infected by other things? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think there's always going to be a way in. And every, like, everything is – it feels like everything's teetering, and you can't believe things work the way they work. And so far, I believe they've been able to solve a lot of these problems by throwing more power at stuff, throwing more CPU, throwing more RAM at stuff. And inevitably, yep. that's only yeah. going to take you so far. 
Yeah, I've wondered that myself over the decades that I've been in IT, that some of my buddies who went into corporate IT would tell me, oh, we didn't learn anything about writing efficient code. We just bought more CPUs and more RAM. Well, there is a point in which that's just not going to work. And I don't know when that will be. I don't know if it will, if we're close to it or if it's decades off, but you know, it, it won't last forever. How much? How much of this is going to be predicated on trust, too? Right, what like this, like, like well, exactly. <laughs> Facebook is developing the metaverse. Who trusts Facebook? Nobody. Nobody. So, mRNA technology. Who trusts the mRNA technology now? Very few. people that did are starting to have second get, uh, questions about <laughs> that. You know, so did people trust blockchain dead, right? because they don't know who developed it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So three. so you've got to like in order to make this work, you have to have some level of trust. And the tech companies for all they're great at, they're not great at establishing trust. At least not now. They've been shown to be working for governments, giving up private information, you know, one phone call away if not seeded by Inqtel, the venture capital yeah. arm of the CIA. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. you you can't trust them how much of this needs is required to have that like i trust the internet in the sense that when i turn on my computer i figure it's going to work and it'll take me where i want to go but if i but can i say the same thing for like the multiverse like what if i get or you know i get in there or the metaverse i get in there and it start i it's i'm entirely at facebook's uh discretion of what they want to do with me and my information and so mm-hmm. If they continue on this path that they're on, which is losing trust and having fickle uh, customers that are constantly, especially the younger demographics, constantly changing what they're into, how can you build like a trillion dollar investment on, on a technology that may or may not be cool in a couple of years? Well, I, I know the first reaction I heard whenever Zuckerberg's video came out was that we this, wasn't this what was it second life what was the yeah. name of the second podcast? life was like the the big one that came out in the early 2000s yeah and they said well this has already been created and it didn't last so i mean bad so, promo video second bad. life still makes money second life it's is still, still there oh, really? yeah it's still there i think they have their own crypto that you can buy um it's gotten it's gotten busier since the the hype around metaverse and uh, I looked at some second second life life land just for shits and giggles, and it's expensive. I mean, I guess I could go buy some land, like a square, maybe a pixel of second life land for like a thousand bucks. But then, what am I going to do? Sit around eating digital bananas all day? I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I can go watch somebody do a fake DJ concert, or, or go watch somebody like advertise for other corporations out there. I just I don't understand the allure of it, and it just feels kind of half-assed to me i guess it's a good time waster no they're like it, it, go into a world where zuckerberg is your god oh okay I'll go the there. only person who really wants that is zuckerberg so they're going to need fancy marketing and celebrities and all these sorts of things to get people to uh, adopt into it but i would i would i would buy into that if he just embraced it it's like listen i'm gonna have a statue of myself in the metaverse you all must worship and i'll give you some free cryptos just embrace his his megalomania at that point, and I think people would be much more okay with it. I, 
I feel like it's all baby steps. Like all this stuff is happening. And I think people like us, we look at the big picture, like where, where is this all heading eventually? But I, I think a lot of people will just accept this stuff little by little, not ever really questioning it. I mean, in Massachusetts, they got rid of tolls, right? And now they have, um, you know, these cameras take pictures of your license plate and they basically can track you. Uh, everywhere you go. At first, it seems like a convenient option. Like, oh, this is a, a step in the right direction. It's more convenient, even though you, mm-hmm. you lost some jobs or whatever, but it's more convenient. Uh, s- same thing with like self-driving cars. Everybody's like, oh yeah, self-driving cars is a good idea. You know, it'd be less car accidents. But like, uh, think yeah. about all these things eventually will be tools to control us and Absolutely. everything, that, you know, and that's the concern. It's like a lot of times the people developing the tech and you, you know, for you guys who are in the tech world, a lot of times they don't, they're not people like, us who are looking at the big picture or studying history and tyranny. They're not looking at that. They're looking, they're, they're somebody who's probably really good at what they do, maybe really obsessed with tech, maybe really obsessed with whatever career they're pursuing and developing, uh, you know, their tech, whatever they're into. And they're not looking at like, okay, eventually, what could this be used for? Those aren't really questions that they ask most of the time. And that's the concerning thing. It's like not so much what's being developed, but what is being developed is going to eventually be used for if it's in the wrong hands. Well, I mean, the point is, I, I think uh, ultimately is that they want people to get addicted to it and it, it will be addictive uh, in, in certain ways. And then at that point, they can turn it off if they don't like what you do. I mean, look what happened to the truckers up there in Canada. They basically turned off their bank accounts because they were doing and saying something that they didn't like. Imagine in meta in the metaverse if there was a trucker protest or, or something akin to it. I don't know, like a bunch of uh, goblins showed up and wouldn't let commerce happen in downtown metaverse. And then they, they would turn off their digital assets and uh, the kids would be very upset that they couldn't dress up like their goblin avatars. And so they would bow down because they invested so much time and so much of their life into this fakeness that they would be much more easily manipulated. I mean, people freak out when they lose their like Facebook account or they lose their PlayStation 4 account. Um, they're going to freak out that much more when not only is the metaverse in their in their virtual life, but also whatever kind of uh, cryptocurrency that's tied to it. Probably thousands, of, tens of thousands of dollars. They'll, they'll pay. And what about central bank digital currency, right? I mean, that's another thing. It's it's almost like we're there's pros and cons of all this stuff. Like the idea of blockchain, you know, cryptocurrency sounds like yeah, we 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 gain some of the power, and then this idea itself becomes accepted by the public, and then as like a good thing, and then eventually the central banks are like, now that they think this is a good thing, we can use it for. A bad thing, you know. So, do you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Sometimes what I say makes oh, yeah. sense in my head yeah. and not yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. There's good things. Uh, like I like the idea of of putting on a headset and having a lot of screens because I mean screens can yeah. be expensive. And if I'm doing I programming, I need mm-hmm. at least four screens. I need my static screen. I need my my old code. I need my new code. And so I can buy like a bunch of 4K monitors, but if I could just have that virtually and move stuff around, throw some code over to a coworker or say, mm-hmm. here's a problem right here. We have a, a vulnerability here on this container over in this node. Check it out. Uh, I can see real benefits to that. Uh, I haven't seen that pitched to me. I've only seen the the bullshit pixels and uh, p- uh, pitched to me. So 
I, I've been looking for that tech, exactly that tech. <laughs> yeah, we would like that. <laughs> and and also remember, like, well, we we all lived through the analog transition to the digital uh, digital world, so we have like a unique perspective on all this. I feel like whatever weird, crazy future is, is you know coming. If you if you're born into that world, that becomes accepted as the norm, and that's the concerning thing, right? I mean, that's kids are going to grow up to, like not having uh, real friends and just talking to people over the internet might be normal to them. That you know, to us, we look at it like, oh, you're missing something. There's a connection you're missing. To them, it's like, no, no, this is completely acceptable. This is I'm okay with this lifestyle. I'm okay. I mean, there are people, and we talked about video games a little bit before uh, we went live. There are people who are completely content with having just a internet, uh, online video game, uh, friendships and persona and never really having real life interactions. And, um, you know, I'm sure their mom want them out of the basement, but it's just, you know, watched her. (laughs) Have you watched her take three on this? No, you're it'll start working in the second hour. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pop out and pop back in. Hey, Ricky, you've watched Her, the movie Her. Yeah, and so, and the other one too. Um, what was it Machina, called? Machina, Ex Machina. Yeah, Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. yeah so. uh, well, or they what just called it Ex Machina. about yeah. Her, and I'm sure someone else has, has noticed this, but uh, you notice that he's in love with the, the program, but the neighbor, he never can relate to the neighbor, the actual physical person. Right, yeah. And, and that I think is probably one of the most significant things I took away from the movie is this absolute inability to relate to another human being, but to be able to relate to a disembodied program. Well, I mean, that's what they're trying to break. They're trying to break. Look, I, I when I interviewed Patrick Wood last night on Grand Theft World, I said, because he brought up Brave New World. And I said, it's really about everything that's not in Brave New World. What's not in there? Mm-hmm. Parents, grandparents, cousins, friends that you organically have share interests with in brave new world. Everything's organized by the central authority. Parents are a layer that can steer kids away from that authority. They need to be gotten rid of kids need to be grown in hatcheries, eugenics, par excellence, like Gattaca or Elysium type of situations. So the, the people doing this, they've had plans and they've made lots and lots of dystopian movies over the past century to point us toward it from like HG Wells's shape of things to come, or actually I think the movie's called things to come 1938 and the book was shape of things to come where they create this huge technology gap between the people and the wealth gap, power gap, technology gap. It's all the same thing. It's the difference between the elites and the everyday people who get denied uh, resources and tools to survive and thrive. And it's from that theft, that plunder that the elites get all their power and they proved it over the past two years. I mean, they're really good at it. And piggybacking off of that, they also changed in the summer of 2021. They changed the for the House of Representatives the words that can no longer be used there: mother, father, brother, sister, uncle. All the terms that we'd use to describe a family, you are not allowed to use now in the United States House of Representatives as of last year, because that's a fucking priority. As we're in the middle of hyperinflation and COVID and supply chain issues, let's go change the words. Let's make sure that nobody can use the words that are used to to describe a family because that if you remove the words, it makes it that much easier to forget what the family was. 
And we can both agree if we were military strategists and we had a target country over here and then we knew we could go in and break up their culture, their words, all this stuff, have them confused and it's civil war and confused if there's more than two gen, like this whole thing going on, then you could really take advantage of them economically, militarily, you know, a whole bunch of different layers of full spectrum dominance could be conducted along with that psychological warfare. I think you might see it out there. Mm -hmm. It's going on. Well, the the other concerning thing about ex machina or however you pronounce it, it was that there it's almost like even though and, and and I think it does reflect humans like even though you know it's fake, it's not a real person, you could still be tricked into believing it is i mean it it this is kind of a silly uh example, but it's it's accurate, I think fake breasts, right like we're still monkeys, like we know they're fake, but they still for many of us who are boob guys where they still arouse you regardless if you know if they're fake or not like you could still tap into desires and wants even if you know it's fabricated and it's manipulating you to believe that something's real that's not like that type of um understanding of humans you know and and i mean you could even go back to edward bernays and just like uh i, I think that's related to this a but little. i think it's something about humanity itself that it's hooking into with like it's there within us like what you're saying is your brain is filling in the gaps between the machine and the human and it imagines all these things are continuous and there and from that illusion you're taking action on it it's no different than my son looking at the clouds earlier today and seeing a whole bunch of different things that he's seen in the past week so our brains are meant to fill in these gaps that's part of what gives us free will we don't have complete programming we have to decide we can think or not to think. We can take action or not take action, all these sort of things. So I think the technology, it's not that it's like doing this thing to us. It's that we have this innate capability for our brains to fill in gaps. And technology has been taken to a place where it is now helping us. It's going to confuse us between what reality is if it hasn't already. Well, I'm confused. But uh, <laughs> King Kingsley's here. And I'd love to hear his hey. take on the metaverse and what is coming and what does it possibly mean for his business? Yeah, we started with a definition of the metaverse, Kingsley, before you got here. And then you, you got into that conversation. Of okay. That. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to jump in. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think the metaverse, I think right now it's there's a lot of hype around it, obviously, um, ever since Facebook's announcement. And I think that a, a lot of it's overblown. I do believe that big tech is in... You know, the lizard people are trying to create basically the, the matrix. Um, so I think I believe that's the long term goal, which, you know, I think there's plus, you know, pros and cons to any technology that, you know, it might be great to have the matrix if you're a paraplegic. Right. Or maybe I would want to go into the matrix to be able to fly around the city or whatever. I think the important thing is that you have the ability to opt out. And again, going to what you guys discussed before in terms of. Um, you know, trust with these companies and these these figureheads and the, and the companies that they run, I think is very important, even more, you know, becoming more and more important as things become centralized. But and then we have this kind of trustless technology like blockchain and IPFS and others that uh, that are, you know, starting to actually gain a lot of traction. But even even the you know it's still important to have that that trust element for the creators of that technology, and uh, and to be able to you know have have that built into what uh, what's going to be built in, in the future. So I think it's um, just like with any technology, it's exciting and also terrifying. Um, but again, as long as as long as I, I believe that there's you know good people that are that are 
you know, innovating in the space. I think that's what, what's needed. And that's what the issue is right now with technology is that we've, we've let these, these crony capitalists basically take over the, the whole industry, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars uh, as far as the industry is worth. And, and, um, and we haven't, we, we just kind of been like, okay, well, yeah, they're, they're handling the internet, they're handling social media, they're handling all this stuff. And, uh, you, can't and t- you can't trust the big tech overlords or you can't let the big tech overlords basically just curb the whole market. You have to bring a, a balance to the universe and, you know, put good with evil. So, yeah, more innovation in the space is definitely the answer for that. <laughs> Grab a chair. Uh, <laughs> and um, and yeah, I think, you know, once once really blockchain takes off even more cryptocurrency and we're I think that the biggest issue right now with uh, all these centralized companies is that's the funding mechanism, like you, you mentioned before, they're they're getting funding from the CIA and, and big government. So once that starts breaking down because of cryptocurrency, because we have the financial opt out because of inflation, um, you know, I, I just read, you know, recently that the IRS is their backlog of, of is like 24 million as far as, uh, you know, getting caught up with taxes. So I think these the math is on our side and it's kind of inevitable for them to basically, you know, reach hyperinflation sometime in the future, hopefully sooner rather than later, even though that's that's terrifying, too. But the sooner we, you know, rip that bandaid off, the better. But once that funding mechanism is better, where it's not government supporting the big company, it's actually, you know, good people supporting good causes are supporting uh, uh, the future of funding for these these different innovations. I think that's really the most important to ensure that we have a, a you know, successful future. And one of the things that keeps getting brought up over and over again is trust. Trust in where you go what you believe, but I'm not sure if the majority of people, at least in America, give that much of a darn about trust because we keep doing the same things and trusting the same people over and over again, whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans or people who keep going to Facebook knowing damn well that their data is being harvested and they'll complain about it but still use it or go on Reddit and argue with bots all day. It seems like people are more... Uh, drawn to a quick fix, a, a quick little hit, than really continuing to support things that they absolutely I, trust. I, I keep seeing this proportion in society, which is 30, 30, 40. And 30% of society basically trusts the system. 30% absolutely does not trust it at all. is caught between the two and really doesn't know what in the world's going on. They're just trying to make it by. You focus on the 40%. That's how you shift society. Absolutely. And I I believe, yeah, we don't, we don't need to save the world, right? We need to be able to just bring as many people, you know, bring the truth to as many people and basically stake our land and defend that, that land, let other people do whatever the hell they want, as long as they're not, you know, screwing around with us. Um, so, uh, I had, I had a point there. Um, and uh, yeah, as far as like, you know, I put the, I put that blame as far as people not shifting over sooner rather than later. I mean, I would love to see a world where we're only using precious metals and cryptocurrency tomorrow and no fiat and get rid of the central banks, but that's on us. That is, that's actually our fault. We need to make our technology 
faster, more scalable, more smoother, the user experience. I mean, these, you know, these big tech companies, especially they've had decades of experience now and, you know, billions and billions billions of dollars worth of funding. So that is, that is, I put that on us to be able to to figure out that mix. And we will, I believe we will uh, eventually have at least that, you know, the 30%, full 30% supporting us and hopefully some of the 40% uh, supporting us. So I like to, I like to put the blame on myself, you know, personally because I, I feel like that's that's what we're all about is self responsibility and the fact that you know Float doesn't act as great as Facebook right now. But hey, so we need your support to to help you know fund us and, and bring users over so that we can create this self you know fulfilling mechanism to to be you know the next big thing. Or or we don't even have to be Facebook. We can just be uh, you know a tenth of Facebook and we would be or one percent of Facebook really and we'd be successful. And again, just the, the getting rid of the idea that, yeah, we need to save the world. I feel like we just need to come together as a community, try to, again, spread truth as much as we can, and then really defend you know, our stake in the world. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that you got to save the people that swim toward you. So it's not about saving everybody. And that 40% in the middle, they're going to be reached with compelling educational media through platforms that can launch it out there. So between content creators and content distributors like yourself, we have a system and you've got the cryptocurrency developers out there continuing to get more privatized. As you see, they can just lock people's wallets up in the past week or so. Um, and I think a lot of the world who doesn't know about these things, that 40%, they've been put on notice in the past week. What, what, what? They'll seize your bank accounts? Because, you know, that sort of thing's going on out there. And that open totalitarianism next door, I think, wakes people up in this country. And the other reason, to to Mike's point, why people haven't changed yet, they don't see what happens when the government takes all that Facebook data yet. Mm-hmm. But when they're in some sort of Kafka-esque court and they're like, in 2012, you had this to say. And you're like, what? I was 13, you know, whatever. The, you know, they're going to be <laughs> digging still- things up from people's past forever now because they got that big nsa data center in utah courtroom (laughs) is this working by the way you sound great (laughs) because i was really frustrated you can still be frustrated later we'll just have a good talk now (laughs) this is the first time i've used zoom in a while don't use zoom we we love you steve (laughs) um your People go on the internet for convenience or for commerce or, or, and go to new platforms based on like previous cryptographic nerdery or based on, you know, whether or not that somebody is directing them there. But if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to drag an audience onto a new platform, that's, that's where the trust comes in. That's, that's the relationship that you have you know, individually or largely with other people. And that's the only thing that can make it. And that's why Metaverse or Meta is in the tank right now. That's why they lost $287 billion of valuation in like a day. That's why they're $10.2 billion behind where they thought they were going to be with their VR headsets. The That's why they can't get people on there's why people are buying into snoop's metaverse or jp morgan's metaverse or anybody else's version of it because that brand has effectively spoiled itself instagram is still a thing kind of you know for the moment 
but that's about what you get out of it. And if you can, to Richard's point, if you can educate people, I think a little bit more on the cryptography aspect that there is no such thing as security. There's only, you know, operational security the that you're in the effect of like if your crypto was in a cold wallet and you knew what that meant and you'd all that stuff you wouldn't have been affected by this if you were using methods uh, of finance that weren't through gofundme eight nine million dollars wouldn't have been robbed you know that kind of education i think is going to become critical because i do think this virtual space is going to become a reality for far too many people I almost thought I was going to see helicopters from pirate.black dropping wallets to those truckers, but it never happened because I thought what an opportunity. And if they don't do that, you're going to see something like what you saw, which was they're like, oh, we found your wallet addresses and here they are. And now it's being seized somehow, some way they're doing a type thing. Though I I must say that the signals I'm getting from those guys is uh, some of those guys were really well organized and they're not even advertising that they got their crypto and that they're doing fine. So you're and the other side would the, bluff too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They, they like to say, do those posing pictures with the, with the loot that they get, you know, so right. Like, we got a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. they, they won't tell you all the wallets that they stole and kept for themselves. And you can just look at Ross Albrecht's case as the precedent for that. I mean, they stole wallets upon wallets upon wallets, and some of their guys even went to prison. Mm-hmm. So they just uh, took four and a half billion dollars in crypto from that chick. The you heard about this, right? The the crocodile of Wall Street, Heather Morgan and Ilya Lichtenstein, the couple that robbed uh oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the exchange. They hacked it in 2016. They grabbed the keys to about 120K in Bitcoin. Over the last several years, it grew in valuation to four and a half billion dollars. She has Gox? She Gox. has hanger. She has ridiculous TikToks of her rapping. No, oh, nice. She they're horrible. And she was produced. She had a producer. And and technically, this this lady, the Crocodile of Wall Street is the richest rapper in history. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. And let, let, I just like to point out for you know viewers that don't know cryptocurrency, like it is if you if you do safeguard your crypto, um, it is you know can be very hard to confiscate. But in most of these cases, it's where the government is seizing your actual computer with the private keys, or they're going like with the uh, Canadian government's examples, they're going after really the centralized exchanges. Yeah, to, you, uh, you saw Edge Wallet, and uh, there's a also a wallet up in Canada like called Nunchuck. Nunchuck. Yeah. And you know, so the Canadian authorities reached out to both of those companies, basically ordering them to freeze people's uh, crypto mm-hmm. wallets. And uh, both of them, I think Edge sent them a meme that just said no. <laughs> and uh, and Nunchuck really sent like a well thought out um, explanation. Like, listen, we don't hold these keys. We, we can't even if we wanted to and we don't want to. So Is just, it Nunchuck in beta? I've actually never heard of Nunchuck. Dave, I'm, I'm almost positive that they're they're still in beta. That that was more publicity than <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, but it just yeah, it just I think I it's, mean, important. it's great. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's important to to because uh, a lot of people are just like, oh, see, crypto is confiscatable, which it it is, but it's you know, I would say 
the least, uh, you know, probability of confiscation if you know what you're doing, um, especially, you know, get your coins you, off exchanges as soon as you, you, you are confiscatable if you lay it out on the table. for some Right, right. Just like cash, you know. With all of the seizures in the last like three years, though, the U.S. government has got to be the top three holders of Bitcoin. One of the top three holders of Bitcoin. Yeah, by I think now. that's it, probably true. So it's Satoshi, China and the United States. Is that what you think? So the CIA, the Mossad, and also the FBI. I would trade FBI for MI6 in that equation. Yeah. All right, we're good. Aren't they all part of the same thing anyway? Yeah, that was my <laughs> point. Yeah, yeah, you go up. I mean, high FBI's enough, lower down they're, though. They're all the same pig. Someone has to manufacture for the other guys to catch capture, you know. Rotating villain. You gotta have one. You gotta have one. Can't be the same bad guy every time. We gotta rotate. We're back to Russia now, though. That's gonna be fun. Maybe we'll get a second spies like us. Soon they'll indict Joe Rogan. Well, the, the 5G thing too, right? So you look at Neuralink, you look at 5G, this kind of all kind of connects with one another because this just makes me think that little by little, like the infrastructure is being built. And even though there's always going to be, uh, you know, obviously you have monopolies like YouTube and Google, and then that opens a door for... Uh, this is it. You know, it's, it's like internet of humans. The internet of bodies. Right. Everyone's got, you know, tapped into and they're going to control this place and the metaverse. The metaverse will be the prototype for how they control people in reality because they'll, they'll take it all at once. But they want track trace, database, everything. And Klaus talks about it in the appendix about implantable technologies. He's a bad guy, but people worship Elon Musk and he's bringing you the brain chips. So. And he's also bringing you the network that would connect the whole globe. Complete with satellites. Yeah. It's like if Spectre was a team instead of just the one bad guy. <laughs> now, is 5G connected to all that? Would 5G implement? It's the only way they can do it. They can't do it without 5G because the limitations of the can... network and the nerd Matt Raymer will tell you for sure, they... like the real numbers, but they, they can't transmit enough data to have enough devices on a network right now to have a real internet of people yet. Mm. Go it's going to be probably something like 12G before they get what they want. Because 5G is only the beginning of a rollout of increasingly higher frequencies of data transfer. And so that, we're, worried about, we're worried about 5G, man. There's more in the pipeline. And correct me if I'm wrong, like 5G or 12G or whatever. Um, I feel like I'm like Trump 40 chess. <laughs> well, uh, like I believe that it can... It'll allow them to almost have like there was there was one Batman, I forget which Batman movie it was, one of the more like recent ones of the last like 10 years or so. But they were able to like use um, some sort of signals or something to like see through walls and basically create a whole map of the, the world. And it seems like maybe that's a little bit possible under 5G, but it'd be interesting to see how that. Uh, I think we're talking about so much data that yeah. uh, I think it's going to take a, some more advances before they get there. Virtual but, reality environments for you as you move through another virtual reality environment. Right. Yeah. But basically, I mean, I, as far as like privacy is concerned, I mean, it seems like they're able to use a lot of this technology to be able to, you know, see through your walls and stuff like that. So again, it's important for people like us to, uh, 
to create and promote, you know, basically I, I, maybe the future is like, we're all living in uh, houses or underground bunkers or whatever, but like Faraday cages, basically. So again, be able to give the there, opportunity to at least offer that. There are already system. communities out there promoting Faraday cages for houses. We're all going to be lead paint. We're going to be living like Gene Hackman and enemy of the state. <laughs> so according to or, or or we could start now with the parallel structures and the parallel societies and the counter economics and break the stranglehold that centralized banking. I think that strategy is what America was. Run the map on us and get away from all that. America was a parallel strategy. It's like, we'll let the empire exist everywhere except here, but here it doesn't exist. And that strategy after 200 years, I think, has worn out. Cause yeah. Enemy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to keep it forget. fresh, and we didn't. We folded and turned into an oligarchy like pretty much right away. Didn't. So Kinda what what King, Kingsley was saying real, real quick here is yeah. an article from Business Insider 2017. I remember this is titled scientists have found a way to photograph people in 3D through walls using Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. And the digital mapping project. Yeah. Too. So it's already yeah. happening. I mean, yeah. now whether or not they can process all this stuff and do something useful for themselves, who knows? Well, uh, again, it's it's sort of like key. You know, if you have enough computing power, you can bust even a very strong key. So, it are, are you worth the energy to bust that? So, we're talking about live, active monitoring of everyone on the face of the planet. No, but targeted marketing, uh, excuse me, targeted, targeted monitoring. Yeah, they could do that. That uh, build fair day homes and dwellings onto uh, workshops for float fest yeah that sounds like a good idea uh yeah and you know i don't know if you guys saw the one interview that the whistleblower for um for google he did a couple years back but he basically said that you know he has reason to believe and some evidence to believe that you know google potentially has has found out the secret to, to fusion energy and so that's you know that's there pretty was, uh, interesting. There was I have no Google doubt about that. Talk. There was yeah. a Google talk back uh, before YouTube was really big, you know, whenever Google had Google video, right? Uh, and they interviewed a guy, uh, a physicist who claimed that he had gotten a reactive sequence in fusion and that he had a plan for, you know, using biomass to, to do fusion. And it all just disappeared after that. All right. So you, are you talking about Pons and Fleischmann? Mm, I don't. So in like 1989, Pons and Fleischmann conducted an experiment, no, and then they said that. Okay, so they said the experiment worked. They went to take it to public, and then the Department of Energy sent like a special agent dude there to debunk it. That guy's name was Stephen E. Jones. Might have heard of him. He's done some stuff in the past 20 years with the 9/11 movement, mm -hmm. and then in 2007. Uh, the Naval Research Laboratory took Pons and Fleischmann's work and verified that that type of cold fusion can work. So that could have been available 20 years ago, or 30, yeah. actually, 40 I years ago. I was in graduate years school ago whenever that happened. In the market. Yeah. It's, refer so, yeah. it's re referenced yeah. in that movie, The Saint, with Val Kilmer. Mm -hmm. She had like, this, like Pons and Fleischmann at the beginning on the A lot of movie reports. this one. Uh, what I'm referring to is a talk. You can find it still on YouTube. It was in Google Talks uh, 2012, and it was a traditional fusion scientist, not, co not cold fusion, 
should Google go nuclear, clean, cheap nuclear power? That's the that's the video. I can share it in chat if anybody's interested. Hey, did you guys watch or listen to the interview that Rogan did with uh, Dr. Robert Epstein? That's yeah. one of the better ones he's done in a while. And anytime I hear Epstein talk, it scares the shit out of me because it just he he goes so deep into the details. Of, I mean, even like you know your phone. Like one of the reasons why your phone's slow sometimes is because when you turn it off, it's still recording, and then when you turn it on, it's like setting all that information. Um, it, it's just it, it's crazy. Like it, it's just it, that's definitely one of the the have to listen to uh, Rogan podcast of late, and he's doing actually a lot of good ones. Uh, recently which is which is good because we need him on our team <laughs> but it, it, that i i feel like how do you stop that right like how do you stop this momentum because i i, I i've heard this discussion before about the parallel universes it's like okay they do their thing and we can disconnect and do our thing but there's going to be people who are born into their thing you know like i mentioned before and aren't going to care for the pair you know for the other world that we're living in that maybe is disconnected from that and then eventually we're going to die off and it's like how do you how you, do you get what i'm saying like there's a concern about like the people who aren't accepting of this are going to be replaced by the people who are born into it and are accepting of it and then eventually they win right or, or that's how they it, got to where they're at right now but well, and that, that's what, you know, why Ron Paul always said that education is the most important because within 20 years, you can completely change the, the, the mindset of, of the, you know, the generation or the, the, of the society. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I think, I think it's enough. I mean, I think most humans, not lizard people, uh, seek, you know, seek truth. And um, with with again, it's our responsibility to be able to deliver. Basically, it's a, it's sales in, in a lot of ways to deliver the the pitch to where they can come to it, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, hopefully, and, and fight for the the light side versus the dark side. Uh, another movie reference, obviously, but um, yeah, I, you know, and then and then again, we you know we're not going to be able to save everyone. We just have to realize that. So focus on family, friends, community versus all else because what else can you do and basically protecting the right for people to do research and get both sides yeah yeah and then that's you have to protect that free flow of information yep yep and that's you know right now what's what's great it just seems you know and i think you guys all agree it just seems like they're starting to realize like oh wait this internet thing's pretty bad oh wait this cryptocurrency thing's pretty bad so uh oh wait all this kind of decentralized trustless technology is is not great for us so it seems like they're really grasping at straws to try to maintain the control and that's what's enabling more people to wake up at a faster pace than i believe ever before um so you know that's well, on I, our side i agree with kingsley i do think of course i try to think you know across the spectrum i agree that what i'm seeing is more people are waking up but on the other hand I also see that uh, if you look back to works like uh, Brave New World, there's a plan inside Brave New World for all the people that they that don't wait that that don't stay asleep, and that is called the reservation. So it's not like they would totally get rid of everyone; they would just carve out a, a place for the primitives to live. Yeah, yeah New John Jersey. Savage oh. sounds great for me. Hey, hopefully oh, Texas. So, so well. <laughs> native population they always thrive in those environments 
you know, what with alcoholism and right. being forcibly sterilized by the government, you know. And, all that and that's exactly how I imagined it uh, in Brave New World. And, and I, what was it, uh, the other guy that did Future Shock? Uh, Richard, Alan Toffler? Alvin Toffler? He, he talks about the exact same thing in Future Shock. I, yeah, H.G. H. Wells talked about these things, too. So I think they're, like, to Kingsley's point, I think we're, like, what, a year and a half, two years away from a decentralized, open-source, encrypted mesh network kind of walkie-talkie phone? Mm-hmm. And once we have technology that allows us to go, I mean, it's not going to be as full-featured or function as the iPhone 23 or whatever they're coming out with next, but it's light years away from what we had just a couple years ago. Yeah, so absolutely. like the stripping of some functionality and features to have security, privacy, and the ability not to have your words used against you in a court of tyranny mm-hmm. might be like a really strong option if it was on the market. I know they have like first generation stuff is kind of, I'm watching friends use them to see who I have a, a Google Pixel 3 with Calyx on it. I have no no Google software. No, I don't have a bunch of apps. I just, you know, got a, a, about as secure a phone as I can have right now. How do you like that? Do you like I, the Calyx? I like it. It's fine. Great, yeah. yeah I that- like, I was never really that guy who was always on my phone anyway. Um, like before I was doing this full time, I was a carpenter for 25 years and you can't really, despite what some foreman may have shown you, like you can't really just walk around on your phone all day. You can't, you know, so it just wasn't a huge part of my, my life. So that making the jump was really easy. I say that. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, more, you know, different types of de-googling OSs that are popping up. Actually at Floatfest, we're going to be having a, how to de-google your phone, uh, workshop which we're really excited about so and and just again making it you know like even me personally i haven't de-googled my phone yet yeah. because i'm kind of you know like i understand what's going on like all of us but i'm also lazy in certain aspects of my life like everybody else so well, i'm waiting for business 24 hours you're a startup business owner you don't get to unleash yourself for right time. yeah not fully yet but you know it needs to get to the point where hey it could be just as easy as clicking on a you know one click amazon shopping de google phone sent to your house you know within four hours so there you go <laughs> that's what i was going to ask so is the is the answer is the solution to this market let the market create uh let the market speak that if, there, if there's enough demand for a surveillance-free phone, that there will, of course, be providers of surveillance-free phones, and then that sort of sorts itself out? Or is that yeah, too say, slow of a process? Yeah, it's a slower process, but I wouldn't say let the market. I would say make the market by you know creating and innovating ourselves and or at least promoting products that are out there. And I know we all do that here, so... But if uh, you but, play whack-a-mole with the security state anyway, make as many moles as possible. Well, yeah. that was the old school way of approaching the security state back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, put nonsense in your email to, to throw the censors crazy so that the algorithms are too busy looking at false positives. I mean, we still need to continue that idea. I sign every signature with "You're the bomb" just to throw off the NSA. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. Salt my information a little bit, like Corbett says. I think it's going to be tougher to convince and educate the younger people. Um, 
it seems like maybe it's just old man Mike talking, uh, but I have a stepdaughter and I don't I don't see it in her or her friends to be rebels, to be like a rock and roll people, to go against the establishment. Now, I think it's it, it they're being trained in such a way that they want to be part of the school of fish that all swims together. And there's very few people that I've seen or talked to that are below the age of 25 that want to be upstarts and do something that really upends the system and try something new. It seems like they want to be part of the crowd. My daughter is the exact opposite. My oh, good. Is anti-authoritarian. My son, my son, if you push him just a little bit, he suddenly becomes anti-authoritarian. <laughs> I think Mike's right. I mean, schooling the word means to make everyone kind of react similarly to the same stimulus. So they don't want to be because to them away from the herd is danger. They don't have an identity. They don't know their strengths. They don't have the confidence of being out there. They don't have the skills yet. So of course they want to hide in the herd, but there should be rites of passage in our society. There used to be where you separate yourself and you become an individual and you become self-reliant and autonomous, and then you're able to survive and thrive and help other people, right? Instead of being needy because people identify, whether it's an evolution thing or whatever, needy is creepy. It, it pushes people away. But when you're able to meet your needs and offer to lend a hand, it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of friendliness and community and comfort and all these other things because it's a struggle to survive on your own. But if you have a couple other people who have integrity and you have a set of rules and you can cohabitate, you can make, you know, cities, yep. you can make civilization, but without that, it's pretty tough. And what they're trying to do is monopolize all life on earth forever. And they're trying to destroy freedom in order to do that, but they don't understand freedom. So that makes it hard for them to keep attacking it because they don't really get it. They're also trying to set the parameters of reality to where rebellion takes place in the confines of the metaverse or rebellion takes place yes. in the allowable systemic yes. structures that already exist and going against the grain is, you know, Red making circuses. an edgy NFT. Well, the or governments and the central banks right now, they're kind of like crumbling. So they want the metaverse. They want a new control paradigm because... I was watching Aaron and Melissa Dykes' new, uh, it's called the Trust Game, Crowns and Sovereigns. And what they showed was like the, the royals used to print their own coins and, and make paper money. And if they printed too much, off with their head, starting like the 1600s. So then they're like, hey, we should have some central bank proxies between us and them because you can't decapitate a bank. And Bank of England comes around. So there's like this whole history there. And when we unpack the history of those institutions and juxtapose it to what's going on today, you just see it's cartels of criminals who use a monopoly of force to get their way. And it's not logic or reason or empathy or anything real people can relate to. And they're going to do this at some point anyway. So I'm glad Canadians are finding out they don't live in a free country and they have a queen. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important to just recognize that exactly that's, you know, it's basically the mafia or some sort of gang. And and really what they're doing is just they're protecting their own. And so we just need to recognize that and create our own collective of hopefully much better people that are much more benevolent and believe in, you know, kind of the voluntarist message and the ability for people to opt in or opt out of uh, associations and, you know, commerce and communication, just dealing with anybody. And um, and then again, just being able to de defend our own. 
I definitely feel like they're attacking the individual, right? They they want us to do everything for the greater good. It's this idea of like, oh, just sacrifice a little bit for the greater good. You know, well, we know some people have adverse reactions from vaccines, but for the greater good, the majority of people will save them. And it's 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 sacrificing everything for that greater good. And and then also, I mean, with the the economy collapsing and all this stuff. I mean, it it almost can be a a way of getting us to also get on the government tit, right? It's like, hey, you know, like the uncertainty of the future, like just, you know, we'll save you, we'll protect you, like we'll give you this universal basic income, we'll we'll take care of you, just trust us. And so, it, yeah, it, it's, it's weird because it, we're living in some crazy time where you can almost see where everything's heading with like the smart cities and 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 it almost seems like there's at least in america there's going to be parallel universes because i feel like there's going to be places like massachusetts where i live and and california where they're going to implement i mean they they have uh both states have laws where i think in 2035 or something like that you can't sell any more uh, gas-powered cars, everything has to be electric. And it's like, I don't even know how they're going to do that. I mean, and that's the thing. And it's like, and even stuff like that, it's like, it's for the greater good. It's like, it's for uh, the fight pollution and and global warming or climate change. And yet, like these things have been accepted by the population, even though many of the uh, people in that world are still debating if that even makes any sense, because obviously we have to get minerals that we have to mine for minerals. We don't know how we're going to dispose of these batteries and if we can find a, a uh, productive way of doing that. Uh, but yet it's like everybody's brainwashing and believing like, well, this is for the greater good. So let's do it. And there's people who are truly, truly motivated, I think by good, good things, but because they really do care about uh, the, population and, and and pollution and and climate change or whatever um but they don't realize that they're just puppets in a game being used to for other agendas and sure. that's kind of, that's kind of the concern to kingsley's earlier point about ron paul and what he said about education this is why james Lindsay's running around all over the country screaming about critical race theory and what the long march to the institutions and the way that the this uh uh, I don't know, like demented CIA Marxism is sort of taken over the entire educational system. And you blend that with the Rockefeller model to begin with. And what you get is people who are always going to talk about the ideal, right? Because the ideal is more important than the reality. So just because the reality is you have to tear up and destroy the planet in order to get the minerals to make the Internet of Things and the Internet of Bodies and do all of this stuff. But it's green. It's green. <laughs> So the ideal is that it's green and we're doing good by using it and ignore the reality and just carry that over into every aspect of this, where the ideal is you have rights in the metaverse. You don't have rights outside of the metaverse, but in the metaverse, that's where you have rights. So the ideal that you have rights there, that's where you're going to spend your time, because if you leave the metaverse and you go outside, you're not going to have any. You own nothing. Everything you have, you rent. But you're happy because you have rights to the metaverse. I think that's a really controlling part is where they say you'll own nothing and you'll like it. It's like uh, when Aldous Huxley said, you'll learn to love your servitude. And I, I looked up a definition of the common good because 
you guys are talking about it. I wanted to point out this part. This is from the Ayn Rand lexicon. Uh, you guys called it the greater good. I, I, they didn't have that term. I had common good, and it seems to match up. The common good is a meaningless concept, uh, unless taken literally, in which case it is only possible. It's only possible meaning is the sum of the good of all the individual men involved. But in that case, the concept is meaningless as a moral uh, criterion. It leaves open the question of what is the good of individual men and how does one determine it? And then in a previous paragraph, the common good or the public interest is an undefined and undefinable concept. There is no such entity as the tribe or the public. The tribe or the public or society is only a number of individual men. Nothing can be good for the tribe as such. Good and value pertain only to living organism, an individual living organism, not a disembodied aggregate of relationships. So if you define terms when people are talking about, well, we have to do this for the greater good. Well, let's get, let's dig into that. Cause what do you think the world, what, what's going on here from your perspective? These people are disconnected from reality and it's only through de definitions and that which exists that we can connect these things back together. So you have to ask, suture in your conversation, the definition part to be able to have any reasonable traction. I'm going to ask the World Economic Forum to, uh, to switch up that definition. Cause that's just right. Thank you. <laughs> do you have well, Klaus's number? I just, Every time I hear the greater good, I can't but think of the movie Hot Fuzz. Is it <laughs> Klaus has a, he's got a, a bust of Lenin on his shelf in his office. So, you know, that's where he's coming from. His grandfather was a Nazi sympathizer and collaborator, just like uh, Christia Freeland. He was a, a, a national so socialist model company, the company yeah. that Klaus's dad ran, Papa yeah. Schwab. They, they, Escher Weiss, they, they were, a, you know, held up as a, a model national socialist company. And when Klaus was at Escher Weiss, they sold components to make nukes to the South African apartheid regime. Like Escher Weiss was making components for uh, the hydroelectric dam in Norway. Uh, it things like, uh, like they were uh, a very like innovative and ahead of the curve company in general. But it, it's, yeah, a little bit more than sympathizers. But I mean, it was, they were right up in there getting awards and shit. Thank you for that added context. I didn't want to bring all that to the table. So I just said he's a sympathizer collaborator. <laughs> but you're like, no, dude, he was, a, he's at the head of the line. He got up and loved it. There's a, a an investigative piece, family history piece that Johnny Vedmore did. Yeah, um, I read it. It was on uh, Whitney Webb's site, right? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. He, he was writing yeah, it for her. Had, uh, we, we have a great interview with the two of them uh, on Slow News Day talking about it. It's about like three hours of fun. Good times. So are you guys optimistic about the future? Like, do you think that even though all these things are, it, it seems like they're building the infrastructure to eventually control every aspect of our lives as doom and gloom as that sounds, do you feel like that will only provoke people to resist even more and and maybe because you look at like Canada for example I this afternoon I did a uh, kind of a Canadian freedom fighter episode with a, uh, some Canadian friends uh, and it, it seemed you know and Graham from Grime Erica was one of them and I remember mm -hmm. telling Graham because on this show I remember him basically saying like Canadians are pushovers that, you know, look at all the shit that they're getting away with in Canada. Like he didn't have any faith in his people and they got pushed 
so much that now they're like the face of the resistance. And I mean, do you feel like that that can happen also with the infrastructure and the tech that's, you know, is it enslaving us or can it also save us by uh, us getting pushed so far into that direction that at some point we, we wake up to it all and we're like, oh shit, like we, we've been in this trance and now I realize we were in this trance. We need to fight back. We need to do something. I mean, is that possible? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I think we have to remember to give them a little bit of credit for this insane enslavement grid that they're controlling, but not to give them um, deity status. These are right. people that make mistakes. They don't have it all figured out. They need right. us to make this all work, too. So it's right. tempting to say it's all over. They've got it figured out. We're fucked. It's, they, they, yeah. They've all this Huxley's been writing about it. They've been, you know, th- this has been pre-planned for decades in advance. Committee of 300 well involved in this. This is, we're done. It's tempting to do that. But at the same time, we have to remember COVID did not go the way they thought it was going to. No. There were plenty of problems. And we it's over way before they wanted problems. it to be over. They, we, 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 we said that what wasn't, you know, we, we said, we questioned this, we caused big problems, we didn't go along to get along, and they panicked, and then they immediately went to, uh, well, we'll give you two laps around Talladega Speedway and free donuts for a year if you take the vaccine. And we're uh, like, gotcha, uh, that's not what you do when there's a real emergency. Well, the science has changed. But yeah. Well, of course right. the science has changed. So, so I, I'm, I want to, like, find that balance between respecting the fact, I, I don't mean like necess- like good re- amount of respect, but just recognizing that, that what they want to do and the digital enslavement grid that they're planning, but also not at the same time pretending that it's somehow a done deal. They may be thinking 10 steps ahead, but they got to get through step one and step two before yeah. they get to step three. And yeah, if and, we and screw up step they two, have, there is no step three for them. If you go back to the drawing plan. board. So they, it's not they, over yet. That's my point. They don't have a linear plan. That's what I keep seeing people think this. It's not possible in the world to have linear plans. They have a tree and they have optimal outcomes and suboptimal outcomes and they work on a thousand year plan. We need to follow the Stockdale principle. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may, they might be. Yeah. I don't look at it as optimism. Getting, getting black pilled means you have common sense and critical thinking. Staying black pilled means you think Klaus Schwab and the mankini is going to win means you think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are going to win. So getting white pilled is the common sense and the critical thinking and some faith. Uh, and if you can get those things, you know, to develop all of them, like uh, it, it can get there. But you can't you can't think that those goons are actually capable of winning. No, you, I think this is a normal part of nature. I mean, for freedom to emerge and slavery to be abolished forever as like a thing that's not done anymore anywhere. A lot more learning has to go on. We're not there yet. 
And these people have been trying to like get New World Order, Panopticon, lock everyone down since Jeremy Bentham and those guys were planning it for the East India Company a couple hundred years ago. So they need our compliance. They need our energy. They need our attention. And they need us to choose to do things with their technology and not with our families and uh, a whole bunch of other things. So the more people wise up and learn how to respect themselves in their time and to figure out that there's nothing to do with my goals this week that has anything to do with the metaverse and therefore it's not going to be in my reality. A lot more people can make those changes, decisions at some point when life presents them with those choices. Many people right now are just going to widely lap everything up that's easily available at the public trough and never think about filtering their water, right? And you can lead people to knowledge and you can't make them think. So we are there to provide pure knowledge, filtered knowledge, truthful, factual, evidence-based knowledge. And for those people who are interested, that's healthy and it's sustaining and it's low pressure and peace of mind and no panic. And we don't have to worry about misinformation and disinformation because we're decentralized and processing it ourselves, not dependent on Reuters fact check to tell me the truth about something. Well, so I think that, yeah, we're going to win. Right Eventually, regards, freedom wins. In regards to like, there's no scenario that they haven't thought out like there's not just one scenario and when you look at like event 201 when you look at the spars documents i mean in many cases they've kind of foresee resistance they foresee mm -hmm. people questioning the narrative um i mean there's i remember at one time i was going down a rabbit hole of like just these really crazy unique operations like it was like uh, what war plan red, which was like a, the department uh, of defense had this whole strategy in case they had a war with Canada. Like they knew all like, and it's like, they, it was well thought out. It was like, it, obviously they invested some time and effort in this. Like that was one operation just in case that scenario ever happened. Like there's all these scenarios and like, there's nothing that they haven't entertained. And, um, I remember even Jesse Ventura, I'm sure you guys know the story of when he became governor and they brought him to the white yeah. house. And then they asked him a bunch of questions and he was like, who are you guys? Why are you guys asking me all this, uh, all these questions? And then eventually, I believe he talked to a friend of his um, who was either CIA or something like that. And he's like, what do you think that was all about? Because no, nobody would tell him um, their names or anything like that. And he's like, they wanted to know how you became governor. He's like, they, they were just preparing for everything. And it's like, that's just one more um, piece of information that they can use to manipulate, yeah, yeah. control, or prepare for any scenario. It's obvious that these forces know more than we as individuals know. But they do not have omniscience. They don't know everything. And this goes back to my earlier point. The more they poke around plans that they actually don't understand what's happening, the more they endanger all of us. Not just, not just us, mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. They endanger killing themselves as well as us. And that's the part that should shake us, is that that's why you should not have faith in them, because their efforts to have control will, could ultimately lead in killing all of us. I'm an optimist, but I... And I've, uh, you know, tried to try to think through what the possibilities are in the future, like all of you. And, and I think I do believe that almost a, a Terminator style apocalypse is inevitable. And so and right now, the people that do control drone and robotic technology, for the most part, are government. So I do believe that is something that we should seriously 
look at to basically build our own drone army to be able to defend ourselves. And it sounds like kind of futuristic, crazy, but if you think about it, the military, what do they, what do they continue? I just saw uh, recently that they had a, a Blackhawk helicopter that was now completely autonomous. So I think that's something that needs to be funded, you know, uh, for our side. And, uh, and can also be used is useful for a more peaceful future anyway, because you have basically wars that could be, you know, had, uh, hopefully not, but had where there's no, there's really no bloodshed. It's just an economic war based on, uh, you know, just robotics. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I, I have a hard time believing that we can make it out of this prison planet without having a lot of that technology working for us. See, I think that that development of infrastructure at this late stage might be a lot of a hurdle, being that the freedom related people don't have funding like the other side that restricts our marketing and development of all these types of things we need. However, when Biden said, you know, we've got F-16s, I was like, yeah, all that stuff runs on ones and zeros. And a 13-year-old in Sweden can take that stuff over and retask it and send it right back at you. And that makes it like kind of a Mexican standoff situation. Well, I so also remember as far as developing robots, the technology for signal intercept or diversion and these sort of things could be more effective than actually trying to have something of equal size to do battle with. We could just make their weapons impotent and that would do the, the same look to at them. The tech that's rolling out for farms. Uh, I was just watching a video the other day about uh, Spanish apricots or something like that. They they set up these drones to pick apricots rather than humans doing it or painting uh, structures. All of these tech will be accessible to people who can just take it and reverse engineer it and repurpose it. So a lot of this research stuff, we don't need to do it. We let them do it and then we, we co-opt it. But I, I think Richard's right in regards to if, if this is what he was trying or saying and I'm interpreting it correct, correctly. Like, I think catching up by uh, using tech or catching up with resources, like we'll never catch up in that manner, I don't think. But I think what we can do is is resist by instead of, you know, creating weapons, let's resist by changing minds. Right. And and. Is that kind of what you're saying? I got a movie reference to cover it, Ricky. (laughs) We capture a Terminator. We reprogram that Terminator and send it back to the future and let it be an inside agent and give us all the information we need on the Terminators and how to shut them off. Or I was going to mention the Death Star, right? They knew the vulnerability of the Death Star. So, so, you know, they were basically able to take down the Empire. And I I think, again, like math is on our side in terms of the money that they're using to be able to fund all this. So, you know, the faith, the faith in the, the fiat system is going to be less and less over time. And the so people that have control over all this stuff, all this tech and these companies for these people, they're not indoctrinated to the Jeffrey Epstein side of things where these CEOs and chairmen and boards, <clears throat> World Economic Forum, Coterie operate. These are people who live struggling lives a lot of times. And if they had a philosophical piece of media in front of them and said, hey, what you're doing is morally and ethically wrong. Maybe you shouldn't be doing it. You'd have a lot more Project Veritas whistleblowers Mm -hmm. these days in these sort of situations, I think. Well, most coders are anarchists by like nature. (laughs) They don't want to be told what to do. They don't like playing with other people very well. Systems developers, same way. Like the whole ecosystem is sort of geared towards this kind of thing. It's a matter of, of the it's the matter of like at least metaphorically or physically somebody losing their couch to the point to where they would want to get up and act 
something's gotta happen that reality has to hit you have to know that like okay if i don't get in this truck and drive 900 miles and maybe go to jail the you know i i have it's you know it's that reality or a reality that i am unwilling to face without making this choice first i think their their indoctrination methods are really failing and i think that's very obvious and it gives me a lot of hope i think you know what you were saying before ricky is you know what are things going to stay this grim or is there hope for the future like the mere fact that homeschooling statistics have skyrocketed in 2020 and 2021 like really tells me that parents are really serious about kind of changing the the trajectory of the country and um you know they want they want their kids to learn what they you know uh what's the word i'm looking for they want their kids to basically learn things outside of what the indoctrination camps are pushing on them and the the liberal agenda um, I just pulled up a statistic from fee.org saying that in Virginia, homeschooling grew by 48% in that state last year, Virginia, you know? And so, you know, instead of teaching them the history that they want our kids to know, how about teaching them more things about cryptocurrencies and about technology and, you know, getting them involved in, yeah, and all in the things that matter and, you know, getting them on autonomy and, uh, you know, just teaching them these things that, they need to know and, and less about Bullshit. all the shit that we went through in schools. So I think that's, you know, that's a really big telling statistic there of where the country is, is going to go if parents actually put in the time to educate their children. Well, they understand that the rulers of this planet understand consensus builds reality. And it's really that simple. Is like if everyone believes something is true and that's the way it is, then it is that way. It doesn't matter if it's true or false. They believe it. Therefore, it is. And I think if people kind of wake up to that, it's uh, it, it's a pretty simple game. It's just con- convincing enough people. And I think Matthew was right. You got to worry about that 40% in the middle who can kind of go either way. It's just finding those 40% and having a nice conversation with them and uh, being open and honest about They're the real targets of censorship. Is. They're the real targets of censorship because... There's like uh, the proof of that would be like Hunter Biden's laptop. It exists in reality. 30% knew about it. Another 30% knew about it. The 40% in the middle are the ones who didn't get to hear about it. And then they go and, you know, whatever they did in the election. But there's no way that guy sits in the White House if that story is not like deep sixed right before the election. Well, it was the equivalent of the WikiLeaks Hillary Clinton yeah. document dump where she's like hugs and kisses to, you know, Lynn Forrester to Rothschild. Like there was a lot of behind the scenes and people were like, tap the brakes on that. Let's go with Trump. They did the like a reverse thing. Well, COVID has been a perfect example of basically what the majority dis- you, if you convince a, a, a large portion of the population, everybody just kind of f- follows along and believes that it's real. Um, People were looking out their window, not seeing people dying in the streets like the, the videos from uh, from uh, China. We didn't hear about hospitals filling like they said they uh, they were going to. But the TV kept telling us that we're in, uh, you know, in a crazy situation and we're in a pandemic and all this stuff. And even though our eyes and ears were saying otherwise, we believed what the TV was telling us and it was a illusion. I mean, I would tell people over and over again, I'm like, turn off your TV and tell me, look around, are we in a pandemic or is it a, a 
TV media created illusion that we're all falling for. And it's just one of those things when people saw the NBA, you know, sports organizations shutting down, when they saw businesses shutting down, they assumed there must be something. There must be something there. Someone must have done the research. Somebody must be, must be. Otherwise, the casinos wouldn't be shut down. Those are serious places that like they don't close down. It's money all the time for them, right? They're like open 24 7, right? Casinos. That, they, they were like, getting funded by the government, though, but yeah. Yeah. So, like, Las Vegas went dark. So, that whole part of the lockstep plan where you had all these countries and companies do it at the same time, I think that helped to establish that mass formation psychosis potential. And then they just added fear and misinformation to get everyone to act wacky. And every time they said, oh, oh, things are getting bad again. And it was always like the TV's telling you things are getting bad. Count. But look around. Yeah. Here's or, the death count, but no one's been given early treatment. So don't don't pay any attention to the death count because it's not real. Well, and they kept moving the goalposts like the, the, the whole the whole world was sold on the idea of stopping the spread of a disease. COVID-19, the disease that actually has symptoms because that's what a disease has. And then slowly it, it was manipulated and changed into stopping the spread of a virus, which we all, I mean, I have probably a virus on this computer somewhere, you know, right. and we're all, you, <laughs> well, not that type of virus. I meant like we're touching things where we're, we're constantly um, be interacting with viruses all the time. And our, you know, and it's like, if we chose a common virus, you know, something like a coronavirus and picked a certain strain of it and said, hey, we're going to test everybody for this virus. And we're going to tell you that even if you have no symptoms, you should stay at home. And that virus doesn't always lead to you getting sick. But, you know, you should stay at home and quarantine for four. It's like it sounds ridiculous. So what they did is they took this COVID-19 thing and they told everybody you're testing positive for the disease, even if you don't have symptoms and nobody had the logic to to say, well, if COVID-19 is the disease and I don't have symptoms, isn't that how you define the disease by the symptoms? Because that's how you connect the virus to the disease. But like logic has gone They eliminated out. health. There was no yeah. healthy person. You're you're guilty until proven innocent in the past two years. Asymptomatic carrier. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, right. Ricky, it sounds like you have that asymptomatic thing where you're speaking truth. I don't know. Uh, but is, is there been an, any evidence of with all these, you know, was it all just theater with the, the videos of people falling down in China or were they actually, were those like trial runs of the, the I vaccine? I am really skeptical about that uh, because I have a client that runs uh, he does manufacturing in china they were fully back operational by april 2020 so i'm very skeptical that 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 there were people who probably died but were they dissidents that they wanted to clear out uh right i mean i just i see a lot of similarities to like people falling from the vaccine like randomly and those videos so i was just yeah um, wondering if like that was that like a the trial run of, of what that was or what but it, i know they showed us a lot of scary things at the beginning people being welded into apartment buildings mass graves of people who died in iran and like people 300 yards away in hazmat suits to be able to go to the funerals so i think that was a little overkill at the beginning I mean, you have to deal with, are the people in control? Are they good, well-meaning people who might have just been incompetent? If so, they would have said, hey, you guys are going to need to do this thing because we had a lab and this thing got out and it's kind of dangerous because we spliced it together with a bunch of different stuff. And so we're going to need to protect ourselves. Like they didn't do any of that. 
they knew also, full well what it was, where it came from. They lied to us at every turn. They printed fake papers in the Lancet saying nothing to see here. Anyone who questions wet markets, a conspiracy theorist, like you can only lie that well when you're the people that did the thing. Also, the the um, you know Chinese people dropping dead in the streets and the hazmat suits and the welding doors shuts and all of that. All of those videos went directly to the Q community and the conspiracy community. There was like no other community in the internet of weirdness that got those videos first than those two communities specifically. And the people that had been softened up by Q saw red communist China menace virus death trap communist communist mm -hmm. and with it. Right. And there may be truth to it. There may be. And there probably is several grades. Some truth to it. I'm still mind blown that I feel like the United States is still kind of pushing the whole, okay, wear a mask, it's good. And the CDC is coming out with something totally different. And then you hear of other countries just getting rid of the mask mandates and saying- The New York Times just did a story quoting the CDC saying, oh yeah, we hella manipulated the data, but you fucking plebs are too dumb to think for yourselves. So we had to lie to you. Noble lie. Well, I, I nobody is holding them accountable either. Like no one's well, holding their feet to the fire. Yeah, when you had Dr. Wen on CNN now saying that masks are nothing but you know, facial decorations when she's now saying, I'm going to wait a little longer before vaccinating my kids. And I, I'm sure you guys have seen the video of like Carrot her, a stick. Her, yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And her contradicting herself, talking about her children. She can't wait to vaccinate her children. Now she's backtracking. I don't know if this is a way of kind of keeping some credibility or if it's just like, hey, the truth is seeping out at such a rate that we have to eventually give into it. You know, and just like, hey, you know, just say, hey, you know what? Maybe uh, natural immunity is uh, stronger than the vaccine. Maybe, you know, this, you know, it, 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 or uh, some of them are just getting caught. Maybe they're worried about going to prison. Uh, you look at um, Boris Johnson getting caught with having those giant parties, those uh, wine and cheese parties that I wish I was invited to that. <laughs> and, and and now he's like, oh, yeah, restrictions. Don't worry about it. Let's open up the country. It's like. Maybe that's a part of it, too. Maybe they, they're all going to be exposed in time. And they're like, you know, before uh, everybody turns on me, let me uh, let me give them the freedoms back. Because one thing we do know about uh, people of the world is that as long as we have our um, a little bit of freedom to go out and enjoy life and be materialistic creatures, we'll forget about everything pretty quickly and we'll move on to the next thing. And then we can just go back to being um, completely naive to, uh, you know, the bigger picture. Why do you think put that us back people... on the emergency, like the on the state of emergency, oh, yeah. though, right before we go do uh, a fake war with Russia or a real war, maybe now? But yeah, we're back on the, the state of emergency. Do you believe that the people who actually believe in everything and buy into it, um, like for instance, my sister? The, she lives in New York. The New York governor has doesn't have a, a mandated mask mandate in place. She's still wearing a mask. And when we tell her like, hey, you take off, you can take off the mask. It's not mandated. She'll go, I don't feel normal without it. Right. Like, <laughs> do you think that these kinds of people 
after the state comes out and says, you know, because it's coming out, like California got rid of their mask mandate. It's it's seeping and it's going to be all over the country soon where nobody mandates any of this shit. And the truth is going to seep out and everyone's going to know it. These people who have been blindly following it, do you think that they will become like black pills or, you know, what's the what is the the future look like for those people? I think it's some of it's psychological trauma. When you think about, you literally took away. So think about what what do you love in this world? Like pizza. you know, whatever pizza, right? If it's well, actually, they didn't take away our pizza. I don't no. think, but, but they took away a lot of other other things, like going out to eat with your. Uh, well, going out to eat for pizza, they took that away. They took a, a, away your ability to go, go watch your kids play sports, to go to the movies, to you know, go to a bar and have a drink with your buddies. Um, they took away so much of that. Everything you love, they took away. They except took away Thanksgiving. And they took yeah. away Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, yeah. And, and then like, the, you know, and, and they, tr- and they scare the crap out of you over and over and over and over again. Cause let's think about like these people who are wearing masks in a car by themselves, even if it's a convertible, then those aren't people who were going down the rabbit holes. We were going down. They were too busy going to work, taking out the trash, you know, cooking dinner. Terrified. Uh, they're going to kill their, you know, grandparent or mother or father you know like genuinely terrified well and in a very specific news bubble and 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 then they turn on the tv because that's the thing about about the news it's like people still fall for this like adam gets or deborah gets red pilled uh hosted by adam that was a, a interesting kind of like archived experiment like you brought in all these reasonable people giving you know some really interesting information hoping it could sway her a little bit maybe red pill uh her a little bit and then time went by and he would talk about how she would turn on the tv and she would fall back into the trap and it's i think there's some of that and you see it with even with conspiracies right like there's child trafficking right it was a conspiracy theory then the epstein story came out and it's like holy crap this is real and then you tell them the next thing that is labeled as a conspiracy theory. And they're like, no, no, that's too crazy to believe. It's like, didn't you say that about the last thing and the thing before that? And then the thing yeah, be- like, yeah. you know, you thought Bill Gates was a great dude. And now it's, you know, he's being exposed as not being a great dude. I never and, thought he was a great dude, but. <laughs> and and uh, speaking yeah. of open source, I really uh, highly recommend people checking out. I remember watching this uh, years ago. Oh, the OS revolution or yeah. Yeah, OS revolution about, uh, you know, just the open source world. I think programmers and that whole type of uh, idea um, is is awesome. And and we really should be uh, looking to to create a digital world that's more like that. And and you look at people like Bill Gates, who, who was demonized for a long time. It, it, it because of that, you know, and him kind of ruining this open source type of idea that we, we wanted on the Internet and now it also shows how money and resources can completely change somebody's image because James Corbett did a great job of documenting how people thought of him and then how he turned into like the world savior. And it's like, how did this happen? And it's like, Mr. It, it, Roger sweaters. That's pretty much how he did it. Yeah. You know, to, to get back to what Aaron asked, I think that it's really going to be across the spectrum. We're going to get some of those people, they're going to realize, hey, man, the, the world isn't what I thought it was, and they're going to investigate. This, this is going to be the trigger that leads them to investigate. Then you're going to get some that, are, that they're just going to become jaded and 
they're not going to trust the news anymore, but they're not going to look any further. Uh, I got an example of that because there's a group of people like if you show them something like here's an artifact, this is a piece of evidence. It's by the Club of Rome from 1970, a predicament, the predicament of mankind, like mankind's the problem. And they talk about they want to create a global system, right? A system encompass the entire planet. And then back here, they say they want this club of Rome project to be done by the world economic forum that didn't exist until the next year. Right. So like the things you're seeing today, they spent my entire lifetime making this, this, uh, this organized group of people to have a certain set of technology that they could actually develop the thing that triggers the lockdown of the entire planet for them to launch the great reset. I mean, they put a lot of thought into what they're doing and it doesn't take a whole lot to disrupt their plan because their ideas of disruption and freedom talk and what people might do or how they might react is all skewed because they're psychopaths, sociopaths. They're different. Well, and also technology moves at a pace that they can't control. This is where I diverge with a lot of people. They think that all oh, these guys control the, the pace of technology. No, they don't. No, the people they hire go out and do these things and they're the real discoverers. And then those mm -hmm. companies are like, shit, there's new, there's a new thing. How are we going right. to monopolize? How are we going to straight, you know? Right. So they're always trying to grasp. It's like the, uh, the empire's like sand slipping <laughs> through their fingers. Right. Right. Exactly. If we get 20 movie references tonight, we get free pizza. I heard we're almost there. <laughs> I want that pizza. But it also takes, I saw, read an article of, from the K, KGB or, or a, a, a sort of a document from the KGB talking about how if you subject people to psychological trauma for 60 days straight and you just tell them there's no hope, there's no, there's no good way out of this, you will break them. And then on the 61st day, if you say there's been a huge misunderstanding, I apologize, all that really bad stuff that I said, turns out Wasn't none of it's true. true. I had it all wrong. Uh, I regret to inform you, but we're good now. You can go and you're going to be fine. They said that at that point, it's too late. They're broken and they'll never... They'll never believe you that the trauma wasn't real or that it wasn't legit and that they will never be the same person from that point on. So you asked the question about the people driving in their cars with masks. Some of them are, you know, it's the 61st day and they've been told that everything's fine and they don't want to believe it. They're not coming out of the cave. They are happy to be chained and watching the picture the show on the wall. The only question is they're comfortable. what percentage got that far. Exactly. Right. And my, my brother just went out first time in two years with his daughter and they went to a local restaurant in the Midwest and it was packed. They had an hour waiting time to get into the restaurant. He said he only saw one or two masks the whole time. What I appreciate about, about the mask is that it's uh, at least, you know, something visual that we can recognize and be like, okay, well, we should probably stay away from these people in the event of anything worse happening. <laughs> well, yeah. The thing is, too, is that it's, those people are dealing with real life trauma. You know, in a way, it's like it, the people who really got tricked into believing that. I mean, that's that's the other thing about, you know, and, and some of us here are, are parents. And it's when I I saw a screenshot in the Ripple Effect podcast telegram that somebody shared of a conversation going on on Facebook with a parent saying, how do I convince my kids to get vaccinated? Because they saw me pass out 
uh, when I got vaccinated and it scared them a bit. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? Like, isn't, doesn't that like, shouldn't there be flags and bells, everything ringing saying, maybe I shouldn't even be vaccinating my kids, but instead well, they want advice. And there's parents giving like, oh, this place was awesome. They gave us candy and stickers or what. And I'm just thinking like, parents are our most important or maybe our, our our only purpose is to protect our children and now the children need protecting from their parents and it's so fucking sad and in a way it's like when i see things like that initially it angers me because i'm like that poor fucking kid like and then it it angers me that that poor fucking parent who was brainwashed in school and never thought for themselves and got tricked into believing this nonsense and like I always say, like the, I never got brainwashed because I never paid attention in school. That's why I did so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't blame schooling alone because, like, if if it wasn't maintained and reiterated by the mainstream media, like everywhere in their bubble, they would be around other people who would clue them in. Like, hey, maybe you don't right. want to give the experimental thing to your kid; they're not in danger. Here's some exactly. evidence. You know, how much? How many people did they kill by banning Del Big Tree from YouTube? All oh, the information that I've seen for the past year. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that could have helped more, more people yeah. get it. Like the queen's taking ivermectin right now. I think it's game over They're, You know, that's well, how they're yeah. keeping her alive. So how my, I, I, that's my the first I heard friend, of that. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so James Raguski complete guide to health just lost all of its web hosting. Um, like a couple of different websites. He'd been giving like COVID protocol since day one. He's been on the front lines of, of, you know, medical health freedom for years and years and years and years. Uh, and yeah, I mean, all of his, his web hosting just got taken away. And that, that's the thing about free speech. It's, it's a, you know, it's two ways. It's not just, okay, I have the, you know, the right to, to speak freely. It's also, we all have the right to listen. receive this and yeah, to listen and receive this information and, and to interpret it as we see fit. So I think that's one thing that's usually missed when it, when uh, people cover free speech. Well, you're absolutely right. Like they've this, and that's always been the issue. It's like, they're deciding what truth is for you instead of saying, Hey, here's all the information. And as adults here, you know, filter out the stuff that makes sense and doesn't make sense and you decide for yourself and that's what made it so obvious what was going on because initially when you saw this and see i've been in in the freedom of the medical freedom world for a long time so that's always been a topic that i've always taken a lot of time to to, to learn about and digest and i think you want to talk about brainwashing the vaccine thing itself is a perfect example of how you can brainwash a society into not even questioning something that doesn't make sense. Like this idea that you can vaccinate everybody and there's like, there's not going to be adverse reactions is one, it's unscientific, but I think a lot of it's also because vaccines have always been the one thing that we've been brainwashed at a very young age to believe that it's it's right. it's moral and safe and effective because you vaccinate your kids you don't even think about it polio doesn't exist because of vaccines like you get told that at such a young age and that's why there's this disconnect between like big pharma oh yeah i i understand that they get all the blame for the pill epidemic that killed many young people oh big pharma oh yeah pfizer has the biggest uh, you know fines and and pharma uh uh history yeah yeah they're bad they're not moral they're for profit oh but vaccines no no that's only done good in the world it's like and that's at such a young age i mean i know people who can 
you can have a conversation about big pharma and all the bad things they've done and all the uh, FDA approved drugs that get taken off the market for being harmful. And they can digest all that. They can agree with you. And you're like, yeah, that all makes sense. And you get to vaccines. It was like that one topic that it's like they just could not connect the dots to. They couldn't see that you're still talking about the same issue. And I'm like, what is what is it about this one issue that you just don't see that it's the same as those other issues? And I, I think a lot of it is, you know, you, you, you're pregnant. It's like, Oh, get, get back, get the flu vaccine. Oh, your, your, your child gets born. It's like, Oh, to get his vaccinate him immediately. Let's vaccinate him before you even bring him home. Yeah, and let's give him 36 shots within his first 24 hours. And a social security number too. Yeah, yeah. Why not <laughs> sprinkle it all on top? Oh, and cut his dick off. Yeah. 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 I, I think mean, it started. Crazy. Go ahead, Aaron. No, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, you know, like I just think people are, are a product of their environment. You know, like with my sister, she works in a hospital and uh, and, you know, her freaking boyfriend works as a corrections officer in jails. And, you know, she's surrounded by you have to get vaccinated. You have to get your booster. You have to get this. If you don't get this, you're going to get sick. You're going to go die. Da, 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 da. And, you know, so like when she got her booster, my mom is like sitting there, like blaming her. Like, she's such an idiot. Like, I can't believe this. And at the end of the day, like, you just have to sit there and say, yeah, it sucks that she got her booster, but this is what she's surrounding herself with. She listens to the mainstream media. She's surrounded constantly about, you know, people telling her she needs to get boosted, vaccinated. It's good for you, blah, 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 blah. Her school is mandating her son, you know, wears a mask all the time. Like, if that is what you're surrounded with 24 7, you know, like, how do we break? How do we break well, out these I, people out of I, this? Like, I don't get it. I think, well, yeah, I think she's like part of, because I think, yeah, most people are a product of their environment, but I think there are, you know, the the minority, I think, I think all of us could be in this category where we make, try to make our environment a product of us. Yes. And I think that's, you know, that's why, we, you know, I feel that we have a lot of responsibility to, uh, to keep spreading the, the information. Yeah. Yeah. I think are, they floated uh, the, the post truth world. And then they started coming out with, since you guys don't need to know about truth anymore, we're going to have fact checkers. And fact checkers are like bibs for sloppy thinkers. And a lot of people were like, I'm a sloppy thinker. I need a bib. And now they're all wearing the bibs out there every day. And there's those of us who have no problem getting information into our heads. We're like, what's the bib for? And they're like, you got to wear a bib. It's the best thing ever. And Reuters fact check and blue check mark and Microsoft, you know, uh, what do they call it? The, the safety approval thing that they got. It's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, that's their it's their attempt to say we didn't give you critical thinking and creative problem solving in school. So why don't we give it to you through the social network? And if you say anything different than what our fact checkers say, we're going to ban you. That's behavioral conditioning. That's psychological warfare par excellence. Like these people are really good at it, but it doesn't get all of us. And some of us are trying to you know reflect the the light into the cave. We're trying to put our pictures onto the wall because if you go in there, they'll try to kill you. They're very emotionally attached to the chains and the story that's going on in that cave. It's like trying to pull someone out of the movie theater uh, and letting them know it's like, hey, there's a whole world outside. And you're like, no, that's what metaverse is like. That's what meta's like. It's it's the allegory of the cave. And they got people in the cave voluntarily, and they, they click to agree, and they just didn't think about what they're losing in that exchange. Yet. Oh boy. Yeah. They don't might. put on the bib and save your dick, right? Don't don't get it cut off. I think that's a wise word. <laughs> but that circumcision is a actually a very and cultural, like what Aaron's saying. It it, it obviously we are creatures of our environment uh, much of the time. And then, you know, obviously there's outliers and, and there's I mean, we can go 
and that's a whole nother conversation on why that happens. I mean, you have people who are raised by alcoholics, never want to touch alcohol in their lives. And then you get people who become alcoholics and it's like, well, what, what happens there? Right. So um, I, I think that is a, a very interesting thing and circumcision, not to focus too much on it, but let's focus uh, on it. Let's focus on it. <laughs> like uh, being a European and coming to America, I remember like the like people talking about it and it's like, oh, you know, like that's that's disgust, uh, disgusting. I'm like, I, I thought that it was disgusting to be circumcised. And well, I, it hit me that they were talking about it was disgusting to n- not be circumcised. And I'm like, oh, wah, wah. Okay. this is all. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Was that, was that a, is this a good time to plug our own websites now after the, the circumcision talk? I was going to say on that note, my mom is downstairs making sausages. So. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's cultural, right? What, what is normal? Uh, I grew up going to butcher shops and, and, you know, my parents used to, they, I mean, I remember go walking into band practice one, one day where we used to uh, practice in, in my parents' garage. <laughs> And they, we turn on the light, and there's a giant pig hanging upside down. And the the two not Portuguese members in the in the group like freaked out, They're like, "What the fuck is that?" I'm like, "It's food." I'm like, "I don't know. It's a it's a pig. It's a it's food." You know? I'm like, "There." And and um and it, it hit me at a young age. I'm like, "Oh wow! Like it's all cultural, right? Like you grow up in in the atmosphere where this is the norm." And this kind of goes into to tie it in because I I did have to find a way to tie this all in, and um. Like the cultural thing, this brings and it, it brings me back to kind of my my other point about like I'm I'm afraid that the what we are all afraid of it becomes the norm and becomes cultural the cultural norm and then how do we shake people and tell them like this isn't normal this isn't like you need to snap out of this and you know like you said the Ron Paul thing it's like you can just it doesn't take long before you can convince a whole generation that this is normal. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to circumcision. Let's uh, yeah. talk about you that. You be free. You endure their hate, and at some point, they don't have the energy for it anymore. They they accept. I was That's just a short really answer. Where Ricky was going from circumcision. Yeah, with the pig. With the pig, shop. we were cracking up. Yeah, I thought. I honestly, when he healed the band story, I thought he was going to walk in One and say, "I pulled down camp. my pants and asked, is this normal?'" And then, but no, he went with the pig direction. Yeah, we all had our own scenarios running well, through our head of what you were going to say. <laughs> so I, I didn't mute up. I didn't want to tell all my good stories on the same episode, so I'm going to save that one for for next week. Well, let's. Uh, what do you say we wrap it up, guys? We're about two hours in, so don't wrap it up right after. Is that the, a condom joke? Is I, that, hey, it wasn't meant oh, yeah. to be, but all right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Like you're so clever, you're telling jokes without even knowing it. <laughs> what? So uh, you you guys want to uh, let everybody know where they can find uh, your work and uh, what you guys are up to and any future projects and so on and so forth. Contentsafe.co. CS. We're going to save your content. Uh, Theplatform.co. If I ever get my shows published. You can listen to me there on IPFS. All right, we'll go next. Uh, yeah, jointfloat.com. Fight big tech, fight big gov. 
join join the the good guys. Join the resistance. <laughs> and um, yeah, we have a great community there. It takes two seconds to sign up. We have a lot of things on our pipeline this year that we're really excited about. And also join us, meet us in real person. Uh, oh, oh, well, first of all, on float, I'm at King and she's at Aaron. And then meet us in uh, you know in real person. Yeah, in in, in IRL <laughs> at, uh, at Floatfest, uh, Floatfest.com. That is happening April 29th to May 3rd. I actually have wanted to talk to most of you uh, to invite you guys to come and speak and sell merch and all that fun stuff. So um, I will be reaching out to you all individually to do so. Um, but yeah, it's April 29th to May 3rd. So we hope to see you guys there. Is now is it Float.com or Float.app? Float.app. Uh, yeah, Float.app or okay. joinfloat.com. Okay. And and also, you guys got kicked off the Google Play Store? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's inevitable, right? <laughs> but yeah, they, they Google emailed us uh, telling us that we should start uh, looking at this account and looking at this account and censoring stuff. So we just said, uh, we gave, it took us about 10 minutes to say, forget that. And again, you know, we all have to kind of learn new things with technology. The technology is available where we can have our APK available so that you don't have to use the Google Play Store. We have marketplaces like FDroid and hopefully our own uh, by the end of this year where you can uh, download our APK or you can directly download it from our website or just use a browser and like, a, you know, just like you do on for other websites. Yeah, it was uh, sooner it. than we than what we would have liked. Uh, we did know it was coming just because I feel like you can't trust Google and Apple to be the gatekeepers of truth. And so, you know, ultimately, I'm glad we had our APK built when they did threaten us. They've been threatening us since December. And they're like, oh, we're going to kick you off in 30 days. And then we're like, okay, that's fine. You can do it, but we're not going to remove our app until you kick us off. And it took them until probably last, yeah, like last week to do so. so. I'll go, I guess. Um, yeah, go ahead, Steve. I, I'm Steve. I have a show called Slow News Day. You should find it on the Rockfin or slownewsdayshow.com. We got huge moves coming up in the very, very near future. Um, and we are looking to be entirely self-hosted by April um, and federating with a bunch of other uh, uh, decentralized platforms along the way. Um, thanks, gentlemen. You guys rock. Um, go join Float. I need to do that too. I slack because I hate fucking doing more than it's already on my plate and i'm bad at that i uh, i need all of you guys on my show uh at some point again if you've already been on and, and yeah this, I, this is the the best podcast in the universe i don't care what anyone says and the universe is bigger than the metaverse which is always a good thing i'm on rockfin too grand theft world podcast uh grandtheftworld.com and the autonomy course is get autonomy dot info forward slash ignite thank you guys all this is an awesome conversation tonight and uh i look forward to talking to you guys sooner than later Macroaggressions on rockfin odyssey uh iconic band.video and wherever podcasts are served the ripple effect podcast.com you can find all the places you can find the video episodes uh including float and Rockfin and many others, and then the audio is available everywhere. Also, and uh, and definitely check out Float because it's a awesome platform. I'm on there. I have a, a podcast page and a personal page. And uh, if you guys ever are afraid of losing, because I know this is something that comes up when I suggest people going to Float, is like I'm going to lose my archives on Facebook of personal pictures and all this stuff. 
there's a method of doing it. I did it where uh, they'll, they'll give you step by step and it's pretty simple on how to get all your information, every post you ever posted on your Facebook page onto your new float page and you can start fresh there and you have control and access to your information forever. And uh, so another perk to, to switch over there because I know that is something people bring up. So I just want to throw that in there. And uh, I run a podcast called Our Big Dumb Mouth. We stream live twice a week to Twitch, DLive, and Float. So we're over there streaming live. Uh, and you can check us out at uh, obdmpod.com. Thanks, everyone. And the union of the unwanted.com. Oh, yeah. Or like, yeah. I forgot about that. Union of the unwanted. How can you forget about that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Take care. Hey, Joe.